You're listening to the Data Point Podcast, brought to you by The Hindu. I'm your host, Sonika Loganathan. नमस्कार सर मैं एच बैंक से रेवती बात कर रही हूँ हमारी बैंक की पचासवीं साल गिरा की लकी ड्रॉ में आपका नाम पहला नंबर पर निकला है और बैंक की तरफ से आपको पचास हजार रुपए इनाम दी जाएगी कंफर्म करना चाहूँगी कि आपका नाम राकेश चौधरी है प्राइस जीतने के लिए आपका पैन कार्ड नंबर ए कार्ड नंबर और एक्सपायरी डेट दीजिएगा Or maybe instead the person on the other end was asking for an OTP or maybe your bank details. If that's the case, you're probably one click away from being a victim of cyber fraud. Cyber crimes are now a part of our everyday, from the near daily you just one cash text that I get to the countless stories of people clicking links that empty their bank accounts or transfer sensitive information to the criminal's computer. But data on cyber fraud specifically shows an interesting trend. Cyber fraud against bank customers relate to financial scams and crimes. The data we're looking at covers frauds related to credit and debit cards, one-time passwords, online banking, and ATM scams. According to data from the National Crime Records Bureau, cyber fraudsters are increasingly targeting people from non-metropolitan cities. In fact, of the 19 metropolitan cities which have a population above 2 million, the number of cyber fraud cases recorded is somewhat plateauing after rising between 2018 to 2020. But other cities and towns are seeing a sharp increase in these crimes, recording 9,813 cases in 2021 compared to 4,194 cases seen in other metro cities. It's important to remember that this is happening during a time when one, People across the country are increasingly relying on the internet for everything from paying for vegetables to streaming funny videos. And two, the government is encouraging people to use net banking services through schemes like the Pradhan Mantri Jandhan Yojana, which aims to ensure access to various services like basic saving accounts, need-based credit remittances, insurance, and pensions, all at affordable costs that quote is possible only with effective use of technology. Unquote. But is it our reliance on the internet that's creating this fertile ground for criminals behind the screen? Pavan Dugal is an advocate in the Supreme Court, specializing in cyber law. He says cybercrime is widespread and is only going to get worse. Let's now realize that data is flying all around us. Primarily, we are into the data age, the data economy age. So, cybercrimes around data is bound to be happening on every given moment. On every single day, the end of 2021, the world had already lost more than six trillion dollars thanks to these cyber crimes and cyber security breaches. But that figure is not remaining stagnant. It is expected and uh, it is predicted that the world is likely to lose more than eight trillion dollars thanks to cyber crime and cyber security breaches by the end of 2022. And this figure of 10.5 trillion dollars of losses to cyber crime. Could easily be even achieved by the end of 2023. So, in a scenario like this, the best uh, option that's available for sovereign governments in this regard to protect the children, uh, their population, and the users 
is to focus on capacity building. When looking at the problems India faces, Mr. Dugal points to underreporting, which is not a problem that's unique to cyber crimes. We need to appreciate that the government figures do not really tell you the correct picture on the ground. And the reason for this is that the NCRB figures are based on the total number of cases that have been registered and not the total number of incidents that happen nor the total number of incidents that get reported to the police. Now we need to appreciate that in India underreporting is the norm of the day and that in case uh, if you don't really keep that into account you are potentially going to be swayed into believing into a slate of complacency to say everything is hunky-dory. In fact nothing is hunky-dory. Even prior to COVID, my law firm, Pavan Dugal Associates, uh, did a survey to find out how much was the extent of reporting. And we found out that for every 500 instances of cybercrime that took place in India, only 50 would tend to get uh, reported to the police. And out of 50, only one would tend to get registered as an FIR. And we thought that those were conservative figures. Post-COVID, the situation has changed dramatically. Now, with the coming of COVID-19, the golden age of cybercrime has arrived. And this golden age is going to be with us for the next many decades. So we need to appreciate that uh, this cybercrime is happening left, right and center. The Jantara model has now become a model to emulate and is mushrooming across in different states and different uh, cities and rural areas. Because when people lose their jobs, cybercrime offers them the promise of giving them the most money at the shortest period of time. And more and more Indians are now increasingly leaning towards the fact that they don't mind committing cyber crimes so long as they get a quick buck. They are encouraged by the fact that India has got a very low conviction rate and that's the reason why they often end up working in this space. So I will actually like to take all kind of official figures with a pinch of salt and would like to say that the ground reality is much more worse and bizarre than what the figures are currently telling us. We'll get into conviction rates in a bit, but first let's understand why these crimes are happening in the first place and why we're seeing this shift towards non-urban areas. R.K. Vij, the former Special Director General of the Police of Chhattisgarh, said, We all know that the penetration of internet has increased in the rural area in the last few years. Uh, the banking facilities have also uh, increased uh, with more branches and more facilities in rural areas. Uh, most people have now mobile phones, rather smartphones with them, and they are uh, doing uh, online transactions. But what I feel is that the li- digital literacy which was required to educate them uh, is, is not, uh, not to the extent uh, it should have been. So uh, I totally agree. That yes, lack of awareness is uh, one of the major uh, causes. You now people, uh, when they sign, when they say I agree on social medias, they hardly know what are the terms of uh, contract, what is the privacy policy, and they simply go ahead. They they share their uh, sensitive information on social media, whether it's banking clear, their phone numbers, and others, uh, without uh, uh, knowing the repercussions. So I think uh, uh, we need to do more on uh, cyber awareness in these areas. How do we close this gap in awareness? Mr. Vich points to the government and banks. See, uh, government as well as banks, they have an important role to play. Now, uh, you see, banks, their uh, customer base has widened with time. 
but they don't organize any sessions with their customers. They need to tell their customers that that, that they don't ask sensitive information on mobile phones. So they, they should not send, they should not share their OTP and other details with any, uh, any unknown uh, person. So they need to sensitize their customers. They should organize uh, workshops and sessions uh, along with the police personnel. So uh, this is one. Now, uh, as far as government's uh, role is concerned, uh, though the police keeps organizing uh, such sessions in schools and colleges, but I think more needs to be done in, in this field also. Uh, such sessions should be held in panch- at panchayat and block level uh, also. It's high time that we should have now uh, one chapter on uh, cyber uh, security uh, in schools and our colleges. I mean, it has its presence in social media. Like, you know, on Twitter, they have a handle of cyber ID, cyber dost. Very useful information is given on that particular handle. So I think such guidelines should be issued again and again whenever a new technology or new tools are in the field, you know, in the market. So such guidelines should be repeated by governments and more such sessions should be held so that customers are aware about the latest uh, in, the, in the market. But beyond awareness, knowing what laws are in place to protect us from these cyber crimes is essential. The legal protection is given uh, under the IT Act, uh, the Information Technology Act 2000. You know, uh, this act was, uh, the main object of this act was to facilitate and to uh, give legal uh, legal recognition to uh, online transactions. But it, it covers wide variety of uh, crimes. So there are two types of protection which are given. One is civil action, other is criminal action. You know, the simple hacking, uh, how, do, how do we define hacking? It is simple unauthorized use of computer resources. That is hacking. Now, you if you download something unauthorizedly and if you delete some data, uh, if you send some malicious uh, programs, some some virus and all that, uh, this is this this all these activities are listed in the act itself. Now, if there is unauthorized access and somebody tries to uh, damage data, one can uh, uh, ask for uh, compensation under the act. Now. The law says clearly if these unauthorized actions are done with malicious intention, if these are done with dishonest and fraudulent intent, then it becomes offense punishable with imprisonment and fine. So one can be sent to jail uh, under under this uh, particular uh, law. Uh, besides these, the uh, different uh, uh, acts are uh, different offenses are defined like cyber terrorism, transmitting obscene material, you know, depicting children in uh, sexually explicit acts and all that, uh, causing harm to uh, source code, uh, stalking is different divine, uh, uh, stealing some information, uh, personation and all that. These are separately defined and these are punishable uh, under the law. Now, under IT rules, under this act, IT rules also define the sensitive personal data like password, banking information, sexual orientation, medical records, medical conditions. This is, uh, uh, these are personal sensitive data which, which should not be shared by uh, body uh, corporate bodies. And if they do that, like it has been found in many cases, data being leaked. So they, they one can go to the authorities and ask for relief and get compensation uh, as a civil case. 
so uh, there are sufficient uh, provisions given uh, in the it act one more law is in offing uh, we all remember data protection uh, personal data protection bill it is uh, with the government uh, active consideration now once this uh, this becomes a law then person there will be more protection to the personal data which is generally uh, shared by uh, different uh, even the local bodies or different uh, companies and maybe government also comes into its preview uh, and the personal data uh, will be defined with more clarity and all that so i believe uh, the sufficient uh, protections given un- under the law uh, criminal as well as civil and there are different agencies uh, working uh, to protect uh, customers we have a separate section of uh, cyber security in mha now uh, uh, to help states and coordinate with all the states so different measures have been taken by the government but mr dugal says that there are still notable issues with the it act now india has gone towards a unique model of legislative draftsmanship we have been following the bollywood masala film uh, style of legislative draftsmanship look like a bollywood masala film would have various masalas of action romance comedy drama they shot to make the indian it act a masala legislation there different masalas have been put in of electronic commerce electronic signatures electronic uh, retention then intermediary liability and in therein they put in one particular chapter being chapter roman 11 entitled defenses where some elements of cyber criminal activities are covered but mind you we were only able to amend this law once in 2008 and since 2008 till today this law has not been able to be amended so a lot of new cyber crimes got added under the new law in 2008 but since then we have not changed the law at all so with the result people now need to know that if they are going to get stuck up in a cyber crime matter they are potentially going to be stuck up in a whirlpool and it may take them years to get out of the whirlpool this is the basis the kind of work that i've been doing for the last more than two decades and i can tell you uh, it's easy to register a cybercrime case it becomes extremely difficult to go ahead and prove and produce as admissible evidence the relevant incriminating electronic evidence in courts of law and now with the supreme court of india effectively making the law on production and proof of electronic evidence very stringent it's better to adopt a more proactive cyber security strategy at an individual level to incorporate cyber security as a way of life rather than first becoming a victim of a cyber crime then face unnecessary harassment both at the hands of the cyber criminal and also the law enforcement agency and wait for years to get effective redress which may or may not ever arrive It's interesting that Mr. Dugal said that victims might have to wait years to get effective redress. The NCRB data shows that with cyber fraud, out of 17,700 or so cases up for investigation, 13% were found to be legitimate but had no evidence. 74.4% of cases are still pending investigation, and just 9.4% of cases have been charge sheeted. Out of the 4,300 or so cases up for trial, 94% are still pending. So even if your case shows that you have been scammed, the data shows that more often than not, you're going to go down a path that leads to a dead end. Mr. Vidge says that when someone comes into the police station to report a cybercrime, 
the first thing officers do is to file a first information report, or an FIR. But with cybercrimes, victims should actually first go to the online cybercrime portal at cybercrime.gov.in, where you should upload your details as soon as possible. If the victim cannot access the portal for whatever reason, they can also call the helpline at 1930, which puts you in contact with a policeman who is available 24-7 to help you upload your details onto the server. It is important that such incidents are reported in the Golden Hour. Uh, immediately after this, uh, if you wait for you know, if you wait for somebody to go to the police station, and if you lose that important uh, time, then you know the money can reach the criminal, and he can withdraw the money. And once it is withdrawn, then it's a usual procedure police has to take. Now, uh, this is about online financial. Now, other could be like you know, crimes are sometimes committed with the help of emails. Then the, it is duty of the policeman to decipher IP address of the header of the email. So he needs to know the nuances of emails and all that. Now, sometimes stalking and morph videos are you know broadcast in a network. So uh, in those cases, uh, one needs to approach the server of that particular uh, network and uh, make a request to uh, to block that particular uh, suspect account or suspect website. Now, once it is blocked, then you make a request through your official channel to get details about the person who, who did this mischief. And then, uh, then this investigation proceeds. Now, if a crime is committed with the help of a mobile phone, let us say, then CDR, the call detail uh, record is very important. And uh, there are different tools to decipher even that. Persons can be linked from here and there. So that is important. But, you know, but, you know in, in most of the cases, the jurisdiction is not limited to that local police station in cyber crimes. You are sometimes dependent on uh, uh, the foreign land also. So you need to get evidence, then there is a policy called extradition policy. There is uh, a procedure of getting a letter rogatory from the court so that we get information from other countries to conclude our cases. So uh, in transnational nature of cases, uh, it becomes slightly difficult to complete uh, investigation. But other cases, with the help of different tools, uh, one can do that. So depending upon how this cyber crime has been committed, a different course of action is taken by the police. That is how we do investigation. So why are there so many pendencies if the police has a seemingly reliable process? Mr. Vidge explained that there are a couple of reasons for this. One is that the power of investigation is given to only inspector and senior rank officers. Sub-inspectors cannot investigate such cases. Now, inspectors are very limited number in districts and they are generally in charge of a police station. So, so they, they are overburdened with work. So that is one reason that cases sometimes, cases may remain pending. Second is, uh, you know, the computer-related offenses are to be investigated uh, by technically qualified staff. No, a regular police station, a regular police officer cannot understand the nuances of IP address and other electronic evidence. He does not even know sometimes that yes, uh, you can lose this uh, electronic evidence if not uh, properly collected or transmitted, and you know all those details. So you need to have technically qualified staff, and these staffs are generally not sufficient in in districts. So they they become dependent on cyber cyber labs then. They call experts from that lab, which again, you have very limited number of uh, experts. They come to uh, the spot and then collect uh, uh, evidence and then acquire and do that particular uh, investigation. Now, as I told you earlier, the investigation is not limited to that local police station. 
no every because you know you criminal maybe uh, from different state or maybe different country only so so you need to send a police team every time to other location so you may not have policemen all the time to send outside your uh, uh, jurisdiction one major difference between a traditional and traditional offense and cyber offense is that you hardly get those physical evidence like in, in traditional offense you get uh, you may get from scene of crime these fingerprints or dna dna traces and all that but in this particular crime sometimes you may get fingerprints from computer and laptops and all that but it is very difficult that you get such evidence so you are dependent so that linking crime with criminal you may reach up to the computer that particular gadget with with the with the use of which this crime was committed but that again linking that criminal with the crime uh, becomes difficult you have to read those deleted files hidden files you know to to come out with you know the, uh, with what motive this was uh, committed by the criminal so investigation uh, sometimes uh, may remain uh, pending for some time and then you know like you know for traditional offenses there is a standard procedure of code crpc we call it crpc for electronic evidence there is no such standard cause as yet uh, though as far as admissibility of evidence in court is concerned there is a provision uh, and the law is now settled under under section 65b of evidence act they say that yes you have to have a typical certificate with that so, so that you know court court could be sure about that it has not been tampered in between and the and the computer or that particular gadget was working well so they need one certificate from the issuing authority so once that certificate is there it is admissible but then again you know the integrity of evidence depends upon how it is interpreted by the court so pendency could be because of many of such reasons otherwise uh, there is a time limit with which i mean uh, within which police has to complete that investigation but mr dugal says that the long drawn nature of this process is made worse still by the fact that people are disillusioned and don't want to report these crimes to the police because they don't know if the police has the necessary tools and training to carry out proper investigations training in police academies is given in two levels explains mr vich one at the base level and then specialized training is given at specific institutes these institutes can offer a variety of specialized training with trainees increasingly being pushed to take up cyber related courses and as technologies continue to advance mr vich says these academies do their best to keep up among the many cyber frauds seen by mr vich he said that recently sextortion has seen a spike people do send a link uh and to persuade other person to share his nude videos and all that they tick that link and you know the video is being shared i mean the other person also offer some nude videos once your nude video is captured then they start blackmailing you they ask you to send money people start uh, sending money uh, and they don't understand that that this this is not going to stop after losing money then they come to the police Uh, that time uh, that it is very late uh, by then but still you know uh, it is able with the help of ip addresses and all that we have seen uh, many persons you know get uh, into the trap but yes we are able to uh, reach up to the criminal when we look at cyber sex crimes mr dugal says getting service providers to take this sensitive content down is a struggle in itself 
He detailed a case where a young woman's face was edited onto a nude body and shared online with her real name and address. Please don't uh, land up uploading your photographs from your smartphones as it is without sanitization onto the social media or the internet. Because a photograph taken from a smartphone is not a normal photograph. It's a smart photograph, which has got your latitude, your longitude, the metadata and a variety of other information, which can be used by the criminals to target you, your location, your identity, your privacy and your peace of mind at large. So I think it's a very complicated scenario. And now so with people losing so much of monies every day because of online phishing or frauds or stuff like that, they find that once money gone is gone, you don't get it back. This is despite the RBI mandating banks to return and reimburse monies for all transactions which have been unauthorizedly done. So I think it's a mixed bag. New kinds of cyber crimes are emerging, presenting new challenges in terms of their detection, investigation, prosecution, new issues concerning protection, uh, production and proof of uh, relevant incriminating electronic evidence as admissible evidence in courts of law are coming up. Uh, and I think all of that will have to be appropriately dealt with. Uh, we'll see some teething problems. But if India as a nation has a resolve, to fight against cybercrime and we can get some test cases and bring back a message of deterrence uh, to cybercriminals. That could be a good starting point. That's it for this week's episode, but I'll be back soon to break down the next big data story. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for The Data Point by The Hindu. Thanks for listening.